0: As I'm recording this, I'm in my happy place. I'm sitting next to a radiator in my house. When I look out the window, I can see the sea, and apart from some big fluffy socks, I'm naked. When I think about my body, the first word that comes to mind is buttery. I can see these glorious rolls on my belly, which almost look like rolling hills. There are two lovely moles on my chest, and I can spot some hair poking out from under my armpit, as well as the birthmark on my hip, that I've always called my map. And this is me, the body I live in. And it's nice to say hello to it sometimes. I could spend ages just sitting here with my body, but I should probably introduce myself first and explain a little bit about why we're here. I'm Ruby Rare. I'm a sex educator and author, and this is In Touch, a documentary series offering an intimate and playful education around the different ways that we connect to sex, relationships, and our bodies. I'm queer, I'm non-monogamous, I'm dual heritage, I'm a survivor, and the way I talk about sex and relationships is really shaped by those parts of my identity. I've also got fantastically pink hair, but that doesn't really read that well over a podcast. Over the last year, I've had some amazing conversations with people who are as enthusiastic about this stuff as I am. Conversations about topics from pleasure, to kink, to gender non-conformity. In this podcast, we're talking about sex in an explicit and honest way. You might hear the occasional bit of strong language. It's also worth mentioning that I'm a survivor of sexual assault, so this is something I'll be mentioning throughout the series. Please be kind to yourself while listening. If you'd like to find out more about this topic or are looking for support for any of the themes discussed, check the episode description for resources and helplines. There are still so many preconceptions when it comes to these very intimate parts of our lives. And I wanted to explore these with the nuance that they deserve. We're here to be curious, vulnerable, and connected. So come on in. Before we even begin to talk about sex and relationships with other people, I wanted to start with nudity. Partly because it's one of my favourite topics, and also because nudity just impacts so many areas of our lives, sexual and non-sexual. And I don't think we talk about it enough. I'm not naked all the time, but I relish in nudity and nakedness. It's truly when I feel the most comfortable. Clothes can be a really wonderful way to express ourselves, and I do love being creative with how I dress, but so much of clothing is about conformity. I mean, I spent most of my teenage years terrified of vertical stripes because I was constantly told how unflattering they were. From the moment that we have an understanding of our bodies... We're told about all the things that are wrong with them and that it's our responsibility to fix them, which is exhausting. What would it be like if we were able to start from a place of accepting our bodies as they are right now? I know it sounds counterintuitive, but when my clothes are off, that's actually when I stop scrutinising my body as a thing that needs to be perfected or presented to the outside world in a certain way. But I'm in no way trying to suggest that this is an easy thing to do. Being friends with your body is not a linear process and it's not a light that you just switch on. We'll be looking into the reality of how challenging this can be later in the episode. But first, where did this all begin? Let's chat to someone who's been there from the start. Hi, I'm Pete and I'm Ruby's dad. How else would you like to introduce yourself
1: beyond that? Obviously that's the most important thing that you are, but... (laughs) (laughs) I run a filmmaking company and... I make various kinds of art, sculptures and paintings. And I love wild swimming and we've just been swimming this morning. That's probably the headlines. I think they're pretty good headlines, aren't they? My dad's a
0: lovely, weird, arty man. Nudity was a bit of a running theme for me growing up. He paints these bold, colourful nudes and they were hung up all over our house. My earliest memories of my childhood home have always been involved your paintings which are very brightly colourful and very naked so there was there was nudity in a fairly relaxed way in our house in terms of the people in it but there were always naked bodies on the walls and that felt really normal to me and it wasn't until friends came over being like why are there loads of naked people on your walls
1: That's such a strange question. And it was just, it was totally normal
0: for me. (laughs) My dad plays a really important role here because he took me to my first ever life drawing class. And that introduction began probably the most formative part of my journey when
1: it comes to nudity. I was born at the end of the 50s, so grew up in the 60s. First of all in Yorkshire and then in Lancashire. It was always not a thing with my mum and dad. Everyone was pretty comfortable with being around everybody else nude, and it wasn't a big statement, and my mum and dad were very relaxed about being around with no clothes on, which didn't seem strange until quite a lot later. Probably my single favourite image of you, we used to put these big sheets of paper out, and you're just crouched over, completely nude, with a big piece of charcoal, and you are drawing in the way that you should, with your whole body and you would like a little demon and you're just so charged and so excited and so happy doing that children don't have inhibitions they don't have inhibitions about their bodies they don't have inhibitions about using their bodies and being free so I think that's, that's something I always love to remember because you embody that really for me that, that fantastic image
0: I think a lot of the last 10 years has been about getting back to that.
1: Yeah, it's easy to lose, isn't it?
0: I remember such carefreeness about being a kid, in whatever I was doing. There hadn't been enough time for me to form a critical relationship with my body, and for a brief moment, I was just focused on how much fun I was having in it. And then, at some point along the way, all of the cultural messages started to creep in. As a teenager, having a body suddenly felt scary because of the way it was changing and how it was starting to be seen. I spent so many years viewing it as something that needed to be improved, commodified or sexualized by someone else in order to be valid. While I was sitting my GCSEs, I was genuinely more concerned with how my thighs looked while I was sitting down than about the questions on the page. So the last few years have been all about trying to get back to that childish carefreeness. A lot of that has come from actually spending time with my body, looking at it as what it is, and trying to train my brain to stop looking at other bodies in comparison to mine, which is no easy task. But the main way I've done this has been life modeling and art classes, and especially through running Body Love Sketch Club.
2: You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop, wondered what it is, why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host, created it, been doing it for seven years.
3: I am an artist, a performer, a facilitator. I'm one half of Body Love Sketch Club with you. Body Love Sketch
0: Club is a class that we created three
3: years ago. Mm. And, well, how would you describe it? It's a live drawing class where the people who come along are also the models as well as the people who draw and where everybody who comes to the in-person classes has the option of being drawn, is encouraged to be drawn. How did life modelling change your relationship with your body? Yeah, well, quite a lot. I was terrified when I started doing it. I remember being asked by somebody that I knew if I would come and pose. And I was kind of still in recovery at that stage from an eating disorder. I had a really bad eating disorder in my teens and very early 20s. And I'd got up to a healthy weight and was maintaining a healthy weight. And so was in this body that felt very strange to me and was very different from the body that I was used to. And then in those early classes going and posing, having this experience of me really worrying about what people thought about my body and, you know, thinking that I needed to suck my stomach in and and arrange my body in a way that would be sort of like attractive or, or, you know, flattering And getting to the end of the class and realising that actually nobody had minded. They were just worried about actually whether I liked their drawings. And I thought their drawings were great. And they thought that my body and I were great. And they had no idea about the turmoil that I'd been going through. And then, of course, I think what we try and do with our classes is just float the idea that we can cultivate that same lovingness and supportiveness and acceptance that we feel towards other people's bodies and other people's drawings, towards ourselves. Rosie and I have been life modelling for other people's classes for years. And what
0: I've found is that so many of the art spaces were really stuffy and quite intimidating. And lots of the nude positive spaces I went to had a sexual undertone to them. So we wanted to create something different that reflected our own flavour of body positivity. For as long as art's been around, we've been drawing bodies. And a lot of them have been naked. There's a real history of objectifying bodies in the art world, and in particular, nude women's. And this is linked to sex as well. Some of the earliest recorded life models in the UK, in the 18th century, were sex workers, some of whom were sent to model against their own wishes because being nude in public was such a taboo. I've experienced a taste of this while life modelling in more formal, traditional spaces, It's really important to have agency when it comes to life modelling, both in the art world and when you're posing as a form of self-expression and exploration. Because at the end of the day, life drawing is about looking more than it is about drawing. Even with the people we're closest to, we don't often spend time just looking at them. At the start of every Body Love Sketch Club... Rosie and I do a naked race, which is exactly what it sounds like. Whoever can get naked the fastest poses first. We take it in turns posing for a really quick warm-up drawing. And after that, it's over to the people in the class to pose. We do this in groups. So nobody's the only person posing in the room at one time. They can choose how nude they want to be based on how they're feeling on the day and choose their own pose. Throughout the posing, Rosie and I are just nattering away, talking about befriending your body, and the way society affects our ability to be kind to ourselves. At the end, we all come together to look at our drawings and celebrate them, and there's time for people to share how they're feeling at the end of the class.
4: Throughout the night I was watching everybody and I was drawing along and I was just watching and everybody was just so
3: confident in themselves and I was like vibrating at energy that could break glass. The feeling I get when I'm like naked, alone and just in my body, It is like being in love with yourself. My relationship to nudity
0: now feels a lot more free than it did. It's just a state of being rather than an action. When someone is in a pose, you are
4: seeing a realistic body. And in seeing that, I worry less that my body is not what it should look like.
0: Rosie and I are passionate about this space that we've created and can really see the benefits of it but is there any scientific evidence to back this up? Well, luckily, that's where Dr. Keon West comes in. He's a reader in social psychology at Goldsmiths University, and he's been studying the impact nudity has on our self-esteem
5: and body image for years. I kind of stumbled over the naturist community, and I saw all these claims on all these naturist websites saying, oh, well, if you, you do this stuff, then you'll feel better about yourself and you'll be happier and You'll have better body image. And I rang them up and I said, do you have any evidence for it? And they said, you mean scientific evidence? No, no, we don't have any of that. I thought, well, that's strange. Would you like any? And I said, there's only one rule. I have to publish whatever I find. And they were so confident. They said, publish what you want. We're sure it'll be fine. And they were right. Historically, a lot of the questions around nudity were really quite aggressively negative. Early research would look at all sorts of things like, you know, sexual dysfunction, antisocial behavior, shoplifting. These are the questions that people started out asking when it came to things like public nudity. And so there was really quite a lot of bias in the perceptions of what should be happening. Studies kept looking for negatives and not finding them and finding strange correlations with stuff that looked positive. Some studies, for example, found that people who identified as pro-nudity had lower levels of anxiety about their bodies But also, curiously, had lower levels of things like prejudice against other groups. So we found that the more you took your clothes off around other people, the better you felt about yourself. So this is both in terms of your body image, which was better, um, but also your self-esteem and your overall life satisfaction was higher as well. You know, maybe people with higher self-esteem and people who like their bodies more more eager to take their clothes off. Perfectly reasonable hypothesis. But mm-hmm. the before and after studies changed the game a bit because we'd go to things like Streak for Tigers fun event in the zoo. Um, you'd go to the zoo, take all your clothes off and run around for a bit and then go back. Um, and you just test people before and after they did this on a number of different things. And you'd find that there were these really sharp spikes that compared to before doing the event, after the event, people were much more positive about their bodies had much higher self-esteem. The most recent study that I've published, we did literally just get 50 people and flip a coin and randomly assign them to the clothes room or the naked room and you know then we tested people, you know compared them after the experiment was done. the naked people did have better body image and they were less anxious about their bodies and you know they generally just felt better about themselves, which is that's incredible.
0: Being in nude spaces, and importantly, offline nude spaces, makes me feel fucking alive. I love the way my body feels when I'm dancing. And one of the most freeing places that I do that is Margate Arts Club. It's small and queer and so sweaty that you sort of have to take off at least some of your clothes. That feeling dancing against other people's bodies creates such a closeness and intimacy for me. And while in other spaces, it would be easy to worry that people were staring or judging me, this is a place where I can truly relax into myself. I try to bring some of that feeling to social media, in the way that I talk about my body and the images that I share on there. But that kind of feels like a drop in the ocean there are amazing spaces on social media for people to learn about body acceptance and to feel other people's embodiment, but we can't really escape the reality that for the most part, social media can be a pretty toxic place where it's kind of impossible not to compare yourself to other people in all parts of life. And on top of that, the censorship on social media platforms is ruthless and makes being a happy, nude or partially nude person on the internet really challenging. But offline, I'm able to let all that Melt
6: away. I have, and I do enjoy spaces where uh, you can be nude, and they are sexy. And in fact, I think we we met each other uh, in, in spaces like <laughs> in a space like that.
0: We we met each other rolling around in yeah. like gallons yes. of warm oil. This is dancing, and to be clear, this was obviously an explicitly sexual nude space, unlike Body Love Sketch Club.
6: Clothes are such. They can cause such anxiety, and I think they've caused anxiety to me, for me, since I was quite young. Being in spaces where there's a variety of shapes and sizes of bodies has been very healing for me and nurturing and being able to show that it's okay to be in whichever one you're in. It's something I've been very excited to have access to.
0: It feels obvious to say, but all of our bodies are different, and they're perceived differently by the environments that we're in. That can make nudity a lot more complicated. I was curious to hear whether Dr. Keon West had explored this.
5: A lot of people do ask, well, is this a thing that will work for both women and men? And so far, according to all the data that I've published, this is either something that works just as well for women as it does for men or slightly better. Another interesting question, though, I think is ethnicity. And that has never been looked at, uh, as far as I can tell. And I do think it's a very important question because I do think that Culture can affect your experience of nudity. And part of the reason why I haven't been able to look at this is because the naked scene in the UK, from all the data I've collected, is really quite overwhelmingly white. So you don't get a lot of non-white naked people. There are some, and I think there are more over time, but it's still a very small number of people. So it's it's a hard thing to test. We need larger numbers in order to do it. And I think one of the most interesting questions that also hasn't been tested is, What does body type have to do with it? So is there some relationship between whether or not you conform to kind of societal or cultural norms of what good-looking people are supposed to look like? So the kind of thing you see in adverts and movies. um, So does that affect whether or not this makes a difference for you? In follow-up research, that's the kind of thing I'd like to look at.
0: Obviously, having a body that's got boobs and a vulva on it means something. There are people in the world who, when they see a body like mine, nude, it feels like an invitation. And alongside that, I'm dual heritage. I'm British and Sri Lankan. But I'm white passing. So while this does complicate my existence in nude spaces, it's significantly easier for me compared to others. I have had my fair share of dodgy stuff. The throwaway comments about how lucky I am to be so tanned. I've been called exotic, and on more than one occasion, someone has felt it's appropriate to voice their surprise at my nipples being brown. And honestly, I was so shocked that someone would even say that out loud that I didn't even know what to say.
6: I'm having a really big time at the moment exploring and questioning how I feel in the different sex positive or body positive spaces I've been in, I am a part of, because In spite of the fact that they are here in London and and in the UK mostly, they are particularly white. And I might often be the only black person or the person of colour in some of these pockets of people to a point of choosing not to go to them or not to be naked when I had the option. So I've actually opted not to be in a lot of the spaces I was in before because I realised that discomfort I felt was was me my body trying to keep me safe. Um, And where do I start to feel more at ease and safer so that I can then reconnect?
0: It's a strange feeling being in nude spaces that are overwhelmingly white and centre whiteness. While I can slot into them, that doesn't mean that I actually want to, and it certainly doesn't mean that any of us should. And then there's this thing that's always lingering in the back of my mind. You're okay with me being here, but would that change if I looked more visibly South Asian? The shape and size of my body has also at times made me feel self-conscious in nude spaces. I'm mid-sized. I'm chubby, but in a very socially acceptable way. And if anything, my body type is having a bit of a moment on social media and in the cultural zeitgeist right now. The negative feelings I can have about my body are experienced in a fairly minimal way. My relationship to my body and nude spaces is pretty unique and for a lot of people, being comfortable naked just might not feel like an option right now. I met Lindsay when I moved to Margate last year. She's a brilliant artist and her work is personal and honest. Speaking to her about bodies has really challenged my own perspective. It reminded me that it's all very well for me to enjoy being naked, but we still exist in a world that scrutinizes bodies from every angle and is incredibly phobic. The energy it takes to exist while all of this is being thrown at you is exhausting.
4: And this looks and feels different for all of us. For me, there's a complete difference between the idea of nakedness and being comfortable in your body. I love being naked with my partner, but it's the thing of existing within my body. You can't talk about one without the other. I think it's so important to have Both sides of it.
0: The short answer for how I became more comfortable being naked was part of it was I made it part of my job because I was a life model for years Mm. and you get used to your own nudity and other people's very quickly in life
4: modeling situations. That's the thing, you're not the largest person in the room and you don't have an intense fear of what those drawings of you would look like. I really think it's amazing the way that you're nude on Instagram and stuff like that. There is nude posts but I don't look like that. And if I did look like that, I'd be fucking nude all the time. But I don't. And if I was nude, then the people who would say, oh my God, you look beautiful and stuff, would be aware they, was, they were opposing body standards by saying that to me. And then we'd also be aware of, she's this big, beautiful woman or something. They would, it would always be there. In Body Love
0: Sketch Club classes, Rosie and I use the phrase body positive because it's a space to be enthusiastic and celebratory about bodies and creativity. But over the years of us running this class, the phrase body positivity has been used so much that it kind of feels like it's lost a lot of its impact. I really like the term body neutrality, where you don't need to be feeling positive or in love with your body in order for it to feel valid.
4: I find with a lot of the body positivity and all of those things, it's very frustrating to see someone who is marginally overweight be like, I still love my body. It's like, well, actually, body positivity, I honestly believe, was made by bigger women just being like, it's okay to have these sorts of curves. And it's not in a way that I don't think it should be inclusive, but this movement being taken on by people being like, look up my bit of arm fat has made it again turn into something where we're looking at so many different body types and you have, you can't identify with them again. I think that's something that I'm coming to terms with more about my own body. And so I'm going to do what the fuck I want to get through it, if you know what I mean. So I'm going to not follow people who are body positive or I I need to get the fuck off Instagram. I'm actually finding a lot of joy about not being there or finding other people who are saying to me like, I feel you. I feel that pain. I feel really alone because not only am I not part of that modeling group, but I'm also not part of the group which are like, I love my lumps and bumps. I'm on a Dove commercial. I'm trying to find my space of just being there. I'm not going to start a campaign for anything. All I've got is my pain and my relationship to my body. And the only thing that I can do is say, yeah, I'm I'm not in a good place with it and not sure if I'll ever be. It's great that society is changing, but I'm still solidly damaged from everything that happened just five years ago or ten years ago. Attitudes around you can all change, but actually it doesn't take anything away from the deep ingrained hurt. What Lindsay said really
0: stuck with me. It's true of this topic, but also of so many of the topics we'll be covering throughout this series. Just because change is happening now, it doesn't mean we're not all carrying around the messages and inherited shame from the past. That stuff doesn't go away, and it's not as simple as just wiping the slate clean. We do ourselves a massive disservice if we don't acknowledge the fact that most of us have come from spaces of pain and insecurity when it comes to these things. As enthusiastic as I am about these topics, and about progressing things, change is really gradual, because we can't remove ourselves from the past. Needsity isn't about proving a point. It's about finding ways to simply exist in your body in a way that feels kind and nourishing. And that can look like whatever you want it to. Take it slow and find your own ways to feel embodied. Just like my dad. I want to talk about one more thing before we stop recording. Sure. Which is your shower. <laughs>
1: Okay. Yeah, well that's the thing, but it's back to being naked, isn't it? And actually, you know, I don't feel the urge to jump about in public nakedly quite as much as you do, but that's great. I'm go for it. I'm very happy. But the idea of just stepping outside and being naked in your garden for a short while, and then I've got this mad contraption at the back of my house, which is a sort of Heath Robinson shower, which does have hot. But generally I don't use the hot, so I just try and have a cold shower every afternoon to kind of reset my head. And that is one of those things where you have to steel yourself. You say, this is a bloody terrible idea. What are you doing? You're completely insane. But you project ahead to how you feel afterwards and then you get on with it. And it's quite a good metaphor for life in some ways. Next time on In Touch
3: evidence of what we'd call kink goes
0: right back to ancient times. That's just part of human sexuality. That's
3: part of who we are. People watch Fifty Shades of Grey and they think that they're a dom and that's just not how it, (laughs) that's not how it, how it
4: works. (laughs) When I found the BDSM world, I felt liberated and it was a space that just allowed me to explore my sensuality, my sexuality. Finally, I felt at home.
0: In Touch was hosted by me, Ruby Rare. It was produced by B. Duncan with executive producer Hannah Walker Brown. The production assistant was Rory Boyle. We want to say a massive thank you to all our contributors for their time, honesty, and insight. This is a Broccoli production.